0: by the way. And they don't necessarily believe in that. Uh, They just believe in good works and coming to church and living a good life and all these kinds of things which totally negates the life of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished. Because Jesus did all the work. And until He becomes real enough to you, personally, where you place your faith and substantiate that faith... By allowing God to inundate you where you claim Him as your own God. To where you submit to Him and His authority and His divinity in your life. You will never know the fullness of life. Jesus said, I come to give them life and life more abundantly. The abundant life isn't necessarily a new car. You know, it's, it's interesting, we were talking about, uh, you know, cancer and, and things. It's, it's an interesting and unique relationship that the soul has with the body. They're tied together. Yet one will live and one will die. And the most important thing about you is not the flesh that you have, that we continually, the soul, because it's so misdirected, The soul of man is so lost when we're born, it is just this way. The soul of man is so lost and so undone that it looks to try to satisfy the flesh instead of satisfying the spiritual nature in which it's made through eternal life through its maker. And so we get lost in things. And we try to live fleshly lives trying to replace what God wants to put in you with other things, you see. But it's a unique relationship that we have with our soul. And you've got to understand that you're a a multiple part being. That even though you view yourself as just one, actually there is more to you just like there is in God. People say, well, explain to me the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, the best way that I can describe it for you in kind of a word picture, if you will, is an egg. We open up a carton of eggs and you pull out one egg, right? But that egg has a shell and it has a white and it has a yolk. But yet that's one egg. And every portion of that egg has a distinct feature and function about that egg. And this is probably the best description of the Trinity that a person could ever receive. And it's you are made in the image and likeness of God a multiple part person. And if if you neglect one part of that, the other parts will suffer. You do not want that to occur. So what the Scripture says and what my book would say when God becomes real to you is the very first chapter would be the absolute requirement that you believe in the reality of God. And the only way for God to become real to you is you have to get real with God. Right? Nobody likes a trickster. Nobody likes it when someone's running a game on you. How many people in here has ever used that mantra? Are you for real? How many people's ever said that? When somebody tells you something and somebody is telling you a story or something's going on in this world, you go, really? Are you for real? So. You got to get real with God. God's always real. God's always real with you. It's never God's fault, you see. Our shortcomings, understand this, is never God's fault. It's because we, we typically are not real with God. And we're going to make a run on God. Now let me go to my scripture over here in Hebrews chapter 11 in the faith chapters of this, of this scriptures. It says in verse 6, this is what it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, him being God. For he that cometh to God, listen at this, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, we thank you for your word and ask your blessings to give us wisdom and understanding in it, enlightenment, and let it challenge our souls, God, that we can dig in and see what it is our Maker says about us so that we can live this life with full understanding and eyes wide open with expectation. And God, we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. The one thing about God is he's extremely predictable. If you've ever been at a workplace and you've got this diabolical boss, the one thing that's typical about a a person like that that is in management is they're unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get from day to day. Private life affects their performance at work and you are the one that would probably suffer from it. They're not predictable. I was in management for 30 some years in government. And the one thing that I always tried to do was be predictable for my people. That way they had an outline of everything that they knew was going on and they knew what to expect. I knew what to expect. And, and everybody had a great time and it was a good thing. God is extremely predictable. His requirements have never changed. What He says will never change. He said, I am God. I change not. He changes not. And He is not a respecter of persons. That's a good thing for you and me. Because you can know that you can know that you can know that when X happened, Y is going to happen right after that. Unequivocally, unequivocally it is going to happen. So He's predictable. And the one thing that, that He's telling us in this verse of Scripture is we have to believe that He is. Well, let me break that down for you just a little bit. What is God? So if we have to believe that He is, what is it about God that you believe? Let me ask you like that. Because it's not good enough to acknowledge that there is a God. The Scripture says in the book of James that demons do that. And everybody here knows they're not going to heaven, right? It's a difference in acknowledging God, but it's a difference in actually knowing God. So what is it about God that you believe? So what is God to you then? So what, to answer that question, opinions are out the window. I always told my old church, don't, ever, don't give me your opinion. Give me what the Word says about God. Because that's what matters. Your opinion matters. But when it gets down to it, what is God? And what is He to you? Well, let's just name some attributes of God. First, you have to believe that He is. And to believe that He is means you believe every bit of this. That you believe what He is. First, he said, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligently seeking Him. Not seeking His attributes, seeking Him. Do you remember the folks that left Jesus, the crowd that left Him? They were only following Him, Jesus said, because He fed them. Are we after what God can give, or are you after God? You see, God didn't just save you so that He can give you, so that you wouldn't die and go to hell. He saved you so that you could live and serve Him, you see. And never die. But to merely say that God exists to keep me from from going to hell, that's not exactly total truth. There's a lot more to this than what we think. So what is God then? Well, some of the attributes of God is He's a Savior. Well, everybody needs to listen to me. And this is very important. You need a Savior. Because you ain't going to make it without Him. Understand that. All mankind must know Jesus Christ. I know that is a very dogmatic statement. That's one a lot of people don't like to hear. But brothers and sisters, that is absolute truth. Without Christ, you don't go. Period. That's just the way it is. That's the way God designed it. That's a very harsh message that today's world does not like to hear. We like to hear that. We we like to hear this multi kind of uh, faceted, if you just believe your way, you're going to go to heaven. Let me be the first one to tell you that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. One died for you. One. Not Buddha, not Muhammad. Not some other religion. Jesus Christ died for you. He is your Savior. Look at the names of God. He's your shepherd. He's your guide. He's your healer. He's the one that He's the banner over you his love. What God is should be your everything. Every single thing. God doesn't deal well with fake. He's not into fool's gold. Everybody ever seen that stuff, fool's gold before? Right, He's not into diamonds that are not diamonds. He's not into gold that's gold-plated, you see. He knows the real deal, and God knows you. Understand that. Do you believe because faith makes sense? Or because faith doesn't need to make sense? Let me ask you that question again. Do you believe... And are you a Christian because faith makes sense? Or because faith doesn't need to make sense? The the great church leader back in the very early days of Christianity, Augustine, he was one of the first religious Christian leaders to ponder the very question of faith and What makes sense? And this is what he said. He concluded, I believe in order to understand. And what he meant by that is that true understanding follows commitment to God and that we cannot hope to understand God by human reason alone. Sometimes faith don't make sense. Sometimes God might ask you to do something that makes no sense to you whatsoever. So we believe. Understanding that faith will bring enlightenment. Not because it makes sense. Now if this guy could come up with this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, why is it because we've placed such a high value on reason? And reasoning. And you will see great apologists trying to debate God and reasoning with unbelievers. This is why the scripture tells us not to debate the scriptures, especially with unbelievers, because reasoning does not necessarily promote faith. So you're going to believe in something that you've never seen, tasted, smelled, heard, or anything? That's reasoning. How many people have ever seen God? How many people have ever heard His voice? How many people have ever reached out and touched Him? But you believe in that? You see, that makes no reasonable sense. But faith tells us that that is Absolutism. When we got born again, let me tell you, that was the biggest miracle that could ever happen in your life when God changed you and rearranged you and made you a different person. All all beyond your ability to sense or see. But you felt God come in and He changed your life because you chose to believe. You believe in all kinds of unseen things all the time. How many people have ever seen an Adam? But we believe in it. There's all kinds of things you place faith in that you've never ever seen with your eyes or touched with your hands. So Augustine concluded that I believe in order so that I can understand. And let me tell you something. That makes a lot of sense to, sense to me as a Christian, uh, an elder in Christianity. Because I believe and I trust. Believing and trusting goes hand in hand. How much do you trust God? Is God everything to you? Or is He just a little bit to you? Do you give God the good ground of your heart? Or do you give Him the old stony, nasty stuff where where a turnip wouldn't grow? And save the good ground for you? Is that how we do it? Or do we believe in Him with every single thing that we are? If you're in your hour of need, would you want God to give you the same respect that you gave Him? Him? The same dedication to your cause that you gave for his. How would we want that to be? Many people believe believe in God and live in him via acknowledgement. Listen to this. There are some things that it's going to be difficult for people in this age to follow God and allow Him to become real to you. We live in a, in a society that is very much into self-indulgence and self-satisfaction reigns supreme. How many people go to work so that God can direct their path with their wages? So that God can use you to further the Gospel? You, you think that's an extraordinary statement. When you look into the book of Acts, that is exactly what the apostles was doing. They took everything they had to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, when two lied and held back, not that, it was, that they couldn't have held it back, but they lied and held it back, they died instantly. We are so far from what they were. They were so close to the advent of Jesus Christ, they saw Him ascend into heaven. They saw Him live. They heard Him speak. And 2,000 years later, here we are. Here we are when it's difficult to get people to commit to Christ and the calls of salvation. In the Garden of Eden, we lost everything. The whole essence of of this verse of Scripture, is God trying to rebuild in us what was lost. A relationship between you and God that's substantial, that is that is real. Where you're not hiding to disguise what you are and what you've done because God knows you. He knows. If I could ever just get that through to people that I'm witnessing to, listen, God already knows, so what are you hiding? There's nothing to hide. Be real with God. Be real. God's trying to restore us back to a place where He takes the preeminence in our lives. We lost this when we allowed Satan to come in. And now Satan is the prince of this world. And that's what the Scripture says. And He we follow. All of us have done it. You don't think you're doing it, but you are. And he leads you the flesh as the scripture says. If you ever read that word flesh in the scripture, the flesh means everything that is against God or anything that will lead you away from God. We all have these desires. Why do you think when you're going to when the Super Bowl is played, if you watch that thing, here's what's going to be played. Here's the commercials that's going to attract you that's go- that you're going to watch. You're going to see some scantily clothed woman or man holding a beer can. Because the flesh is attracted to that. She'll be wearing something that a silkworm made on its lunch break. And people will love it. People will love it. We are attracted to the bad because of our fallen nature. That God is trying to restore. But the only way that that can happen is when God becomes real to you. Is God a reality to you? We became victims of this self-indulgence and lust and rage and fleshly desires. We became slaves to sin. Captives to the leading of the flesh. And Christ has to come and restore us from the fall. And as I said before, God's purpose in saving you was not merely so you could go to heaven when you die. He wants to use you until you die. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to use you until you die. He's always there. In this scripture where it says pleasing God, this is a presupposition. There's two presuppositions here. People, one, must believe that he exists. And two, as a result of that belief, you have to have a desire to have a relationship with Him. So breaking this Scripture down further with you without faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is impossible to please Him. What pleases God is people who believe in Him, who trust in Him, who believes that He exists and that He is real? Is God a part of your life? How much, if you had to do an honest evaluation in your life, how much is God a part of it? If you had to say, over the course of this past year, how much did God influence your life, your decisions, where you went, what you did, what you accomplished? You tell me. You tell God. 5%? How much did you do? Your desire. Or was you led by Him? This is a challenging thing. First, that he that cometh to God must believe that He is. We talked about that. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Diligently seek Him. Not only in your hour of need, but when everything's okay as well. How much do you seek Him? How much is God a part of your life? This is the question that we have to answer. Stand with me if you will.